and welcome to the Listen Louder podcast, a place to have open and honest conversations around mental health. I'm Megan Gilbride, the host, and each week I'll be discussing various mental health topics with my guests. For the best experience, try listening on the Entel app, where you'll be able to see and access links to exactly what we're talking about. Welcome back to Listen Louder. Today I'm joined by my partner in crime, Jamie. Jamie and I have been together for over four years and as soon as I decided on the Listen Louder podcast, he was keen to come on and have a chat with me. We thought it would be really interesting to discuss men and mental health. And whilst Jamie can only speak from his own experiences, I hope it will help shine a light on a topic that's definitely not discussed enough. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. You're very welcome. I was very excited for my introduction. Oh, were you? What did yeah. you think? It was all right. All right? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, the first thing that I wanted us to discuss is your own personal view on sharing your feelings. Because I remember when we first met, and I used to say to like my girlfriends how difficult I found it because if there was ever something that you and I needed to talk about that was something wrong or you felt uncomfortable to discuss you would really avoid it like the plague so do you think that that's indicative of toxic masculinity or what's your I would say probably not I think my hesitation to discuss things was more about our relationships than particularly being a man or toxic masculinity per se for me like Toxic masculinity kind of resonates as more to do with self-esteem and kind of self-worth and how like you measure yourself against other men. Yeah. Whereas I think at the start of our relationship, it was more about not wanting difficult situations or awkward situations, and that's more about how kind of I handled that situation rather than mental health overall. So I think no, but maybe maybe the two are interlinked, and I don't. Oh, that's really interesting because I thought that you would be more. It, you would think it was to do with that because you're you were so kind of reserved about talking about stuff but then I guess if you were just nervous that things would go wrong yeah I, th- I don't know I think my natural kind of position on a lot of things is to not want uncomfortable situations or things to be difficult like if things <laughs> go wrong I want to fix them almost instantaneously and just make sure everything's okay but do you not think that that's like helped through talking about it yeah I suppose it does <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, with regards to kind of like toxic masculinity and self-worth and everything like that that you're saying about, overall, men accounted for three quarters of the UK's death by suicide in 2018, which is obviously a huge percentage. Is your mental health something that you'd feel comfortable seeking help for? I think now, yes. Previously, probably not. I think being with you and being like on your journey for the last few years has probably opened my mind and eyes a little bit more to mental health overall and then particularly male mental health through I don't know various different things so obviously I lost one of my friends to suicide Mm. within the last few years and it was such a bolt from the blue like and even now trying to fathom it and explain it is quite difficult so like to try and rationalise it, you you go through, like, could we have done more? Was there more signs? Could you have had conversations that would have changed things? And I think because of having gone through that and seen it, I think I would naturally be more inclined to reach out. And mm. I know other others of my friends who, who have also been through that who have reached out and have had conversations recently or within kind of since that when previously they wouldn't have done and they would have reacted differently. So 
I think that's really interesting. Like now, yes, but only because. And do you think it was because of your friend really uh, that sparked that more than anything else, yeah. or? I think yeah, to a degree, to in, like to the absolute extremity. So like my my other friend who's reached out since then. Uh, has directly referenced that whereas previously like he has probably been in cycles of kind of self-destruction before um, and hasn't recognized it but having been through that he's able to recognize that trait within himself Mm. I think generally for me to think about mental health more because of kind of what you do and the conversations that you have like it's definitely more kind of prominent in my thinking than it would have been so yeah I think for me it's probably different to other guys yeah from other guys' perspective, like if you could take it back a few years before yeah. you've had the experiences, because actually losing your friend, which was horrendous, and us getting together didn't happen that far apart, no. really, did it? So like your introduction to mental <laughs> health, like it's not funny, but it is like it's been quite full on. Yeah. So before that, how do you think you would have addressed it? Can you see why those statistics last year were so high? Yeah, definitely. Like I think when I think back, like you know having had kind of the way things have gone the last sort of few years and have kind of conversations with you and obviously understanding your condition a bit more I have like naturally reflected on my own well-being for probably the last 15 years I would say and thinking about at what point was I probably not feeling good but not recognizing it or not being honest with myself about how I was feeling but I think I wasn't asking myself the questions so I think that's probably where I would say quite a lot of guys default position is is they might not feel very good or they might go day to day and day to day with just kind of getting through and surviving the days but not actually ever really asking themselves are they okay or are they feeling okay yeah and you think you kind of lived in that for a good portion of your <laughs> adult life then, yeah really. at least yeah half of like, yeah. I think like I remember having a conversation with a with a friend at a point where I was like I remember being 15 and very emo with a big fringe on the MySpace page. And <laughs> oh, that fringe with the black streak. <laughs> but it was black with a blonde streak. It was oh, like sorry. a badger. It was, it was before, before me. Yeah. And kind of, I don't know, like, I don't, from that point onwards, like, I don't, I don't know if I ever felt okay. I never really challenged how I was feeling. Like, you kind of just, no, mm. I said at the time, like, I don't think I ever grew out of the emo phase for no. 15 years. I just dealt with it in different ways and went through different cycles of dealing with how I was feeling well because before you met me and to give kind of people a bit more context because to be fair you're the first person I've had on the podcast that isn't actually kind of like on the internet yeah you're the first normal person yeah Yeah. and so people will only know kind of what I've shared about you so would you want to tell people a little bit more about your background yeah okay so I um, have a little boy Oscar um, he's he's not so little he's anymore. Not, really, no, is he? he's nearly eleven. Um, so I had Oscar when I was just twenty, just turned twenty, which kind of obviously wasn't planned, um, and had a massive kind of impact on, I guess, my early twenties and the kind of projection of my life. He lived with me pretty much full time for the best part of six or seven years. Yeah. So it kind of massively changed my early adulthood. Right, um, completely changed the path you were on, really. Well, yeah, definitely. It? So I was kind of milling around the ends of education and toying with employment and then had to kind of just grow up quite quickly and get a Mm. job and found myself in the small town that I swore I would leave um, (laughs) doing a job I didn't want to do but had to and just kind of mooching on and um, for I think probably for 
the first two or three years of that, I was just in pure survival mode. So like I, I just didn't stop and think or feel anything other than getting through the days and was surviving. And I think as I, as he got a little bit older, and I probably got a little bit older as well, I, I got into kind of my early to mid twenties. I started to kind of recognise that I probably wasn't living a, a life that was making me particularly happy or or was fulfilling, and ended up kind of going out quite a lot when I could and would see my so he would start going to his mum's every other weekend I would just spend all of those weekends out with my friends kind of partying and doing different things and and was kind of on that cycle for a, a couple of years which was probably making up for lost time or claiming yeah. lost youth um, well it's hard like when you're 20 like and just 20 as well like you had the whole of, pretty much the whole of being 19 waiting for a baby yeah. to arrive so like you do kind of lose your youth and that time to kind of be a bit silly and have fun really yeah yeah definitely but I don't like I think at that point when I started to go out I'd like I didn't really recognize why I was doing it or the fact that it was because I wasn't particularly happy or mm. I was like it wasn't it's not a bad thing either like you know like you do what you do to make make yourself feel happy and like I had I had a good time like I, yeah. there's no doubt like, it wasn't like awful but you know after a while it does become stretching mm-hmm. and particularly in quite a close-knit group of people in a small town with various different things going on like it was kind of a recipe for sadness almost like yeah. it well I remember when we first met and you were so kind of adamant that you'd kind of this life had been created for you and that was kind of going to be it and that you'd resounded yourself that you weren't you weren't going to be happy and that was so sad like that's such a sad thing for you to have had to think about yourself and your life like obviously even though you love Oscar and he makes you happy yeah definitely like your life had changed from what you thought it was going to be and you just kind of accepted that that would be the case which obviously isn't true no no I I just think you you struggle I think when you're growing up and like you kind of think you'll have a path in front of you that you'll you'll do different things and even Mm. if you're not sure exactly what that will be in terms of like career or particularly where you'll go where you'll live or the places you'll see and the people you'll meet but you've kind of got this vision in your head of what you'll be as as you grow up and I suddenly found I was quite limited in what I could do and where I could where I could go in terms of work like I had a had a a good support system but I had to kind of stay close to that in order to to do that and Mm -hmm. like I I think just like parental instinct kicked in like I just wanted to make sure Oscar was happy and he was living a good life as well so and obviously that did make me happy and it's really fulfilling being a parent but being a single parent and a guy I think at a really young age it's rare yeah and it was a difficult thing to navigate because you almost feel a little bit guilty for thinking I want something else and like there should be more in my life than just Mm. surviving and making sure that he's okay yeah well obviously that's that was quite a long time ago yeah nearly nearly six years ago really yeah yeah. five years ago now that things have kind of changed and moved on and you and I have nearly been together five years and that seems like worlds away from how you seem and how you feel now like how do you think you've made the transition of feeling differently about your life it's weird I was thinking I was thinking about this literally like the last week or so because I've kind of been talking to a younger guy at work who is probably like the atypical Gen Z so he's kind Mm. of grown up in a social media kind of time and is like 
it has this natural kind of self-deprecating loathing <laughs> of the world and like generally trying to just kind of help and guide him a little bit in terms of what he wants to do in his life and I was saying to him like I it hasn't been until recently that I realised I'm actually happy. Like, <laughs> I'm at, like her things are okay. Like, and it happens so gradually, and like you get to a point where like oh, I'm I'm quite content and happy in my life, and like mm. there isn't like a big like moment Shift. where you go yeah. oh I'm I was unhappy and now I'm really happy. Like it's just happened gradually through a variety of different things, mm. and like that it's 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 a bit surreal when you think back and I think back about it but like how much things have changed and how my outlook and perspective has changed and what makes me happy has changed that makes me happy that you're happy going back to kind of like what we were saying before about men feeling comfortable to speak about their feelings do you speak to your male friends about how you're feeling because I know obviously you and I have quite open conversations about how we're feeling because we have to yeah but is it something that you speak to your friends about if you're feeling down or not really like I, like I was kind of referencing earlier like I think since since kind of losing my friend like there's been instances where we I've had frank conversations with people and with my male friends but it's been ex- in, surrounding in, that well to a, to a degree surrounding that or in extremities so where people have, have been in really bad like in a really bad place like yeah day to day I'd say we still probably don't really like talk check in as with candidly each other. and say like oh, you'll text someone and say hey how are you but you, the, you tend to go yeah, I'm fine even if you're not <laughs> like, feeling or, right like, or yeah or just like oh work's busy or this that and the other like that's not that's so interesting but would you be keen for that to change because I can't imagine texting like one of my best friends and being like how are you feeling and then being like yeah I'm fine and me being like okay (laughs) because you're probably not fine and I would want to know more about that and obviously that is where there's a divide in men and women of like not taking that conversation to the next step because I I say so often you don't necessarily have to like check in on people to be like are you feeling depressed today but and normally checking in and just being like how are you doing is enough to show that you care about somebody yeah but if you're not feeling fine and somebody messages you and you're like, yeah, I'm fine, do you wish that that was different? I don't know. I think it would depend on, on what it is. I think for me, like generally, if I'm just feeling a bit down or I'm not in a, a good space about something, like the person I would probably want to talk to about it anyway is you. So like, mm. I, I wouldn't particularly see my friends as the support system unless it was probably something either to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Or, <laughs> Or it was particularly like something really, I was feeling really, really bad and I really needed to speak to someone or sound something. So I think day to day, probably like not. I think Mm. of thinking about it the other way, if I'm texting someone to see how they are and they say they're fine, I would only probably prompt that further if I had reason to doubt that they would be fine. Yeah. Like if someone says, I'm okay, I'm fine. You kind of take their word for it. Like I wouldn't think necessarily any any more of it unless there's been other things going on and then maybe maybe you would and maybe they're the points in which I would be more inclined to check in and see how somebody is why do you feel that you're more comfortable or you would want to speak to me more over another guy I think just naturally like when we have a pretty close relationship anyway and I think like anything that would be going on with me you'd probably be already aware of Mm. and like, just easier yeah and you'd have to live with the repercussions of me and being in a bad mood so it's like I need to explain <laughs> explain <laughs> myself rather than like just brushing something off so. mm. okay 
obviously I have my own mental health battles, which is the reason that this podcast exists in the first place. But would it be okay for you to talk a little bit about how you manage having a partner that has anxiety and depression? Because I think actually for the most part, that's probably more significant for you than it is your own mental health in terms of how you like struggle with your own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say mine's probably more significant in your life than even your own is really. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think that dealing with the two anxiety and depression are very different mm. for me. I think when you get anxious, uh, it will tends to be about an event or something or an, uh, some kind of worry or concern, and uh, like it's taken a little while to learn to not try and rationalise the irrational in <laughs> that circumstance. So going like don't be stupid it'll be fine or just going it will be okay like it's not how it's not helpful in that situation so like I think particularly for anxiety it's just about trying to like remind you to be calm and kind of allowing yourself to have a panic but also know that it's going to be okay and that there's different things that you can do to make yourself feel feel better Mm -hmm. and I think probably more so like the last year it's been a lot more anxiety than depression led I think that's kind of impacted on our relationship so like it's just a it's just about kind of being there and being as supportive as I can without trying to be too solution focused which I think generally men are I would say like we just don't know there's a problem let's fix it let's Mm. move on and not worry about it so much like I know you used to call me rose-colored boy didn't you for being too optimistic and fixed like just let me have my moment let me be like I need to be I need to be be angry I need to be sad whatever yeah how does it make you feel to be with somebody that struggles the way that I do? Because it's one thing to learn how to manage the way somebody is, but how does it make you feel? I think from an anxiety perspective, like there is points when it it can be frustrating to watch you get yourself worked up and beat yourself up and having to try and say that you, like you don't need to do it, like I just want you to be okay and not get yourself worked up and make yourself physically unwell that you do sometimes but kind of other than that like other than frustration in terms of a worry about you you being okay it doesn't necessarily impact on me so much I think depression to begin with was probably harder to handle like mm. as much as uh, like as much as anxiety is irrational to a certain degree it's quite temporary isn't it yeah though? like yeah. it's and it's circumstantial so there's always and as much as it might be something that you don't need I don't think you need to be anxious about or in an ideal world you wouldn't be anxious about there's always something there there's always like a reason as to why you're getting yourself worked up whereas depression is a bit more unexplained like and to begin with it was like there has to be a reason why you're feeling this way and not being able to understand the reason why you're feeling this way was quite difficult and it's hard not to then internalise that or worry that it's about uh, or or to try and make it better per se like we did actually that's interesting because we did actually have like a period of time when I was first kind of depressed I think even maybe before I'd been to the doctors Mm. where you said that you you thought it was you that I did you didn't make me happy anymore and that was quite difficult and a little bit exhausting for me to think oh god I've got to try and like be better to try and make you feel like I still love you and like you you make me happy when actually nothing was really making me happy but yeah so how you felt about that yeah so I think that was like the biggest learning curve was to kind of 
grasp and understand that that mm-hmm. there didn't need to be something wrong and I didn't need to, like I didn't need to try and fix it like it was just it is what it is and you felt how you felt and like obviously like I wanted you to feel better but I wasn't that isn't that wasn't my problem to fix and like and actually there wasn't any specific thing that anybody could do other than yourself and again mm-hmm. like similar to now with anxiety like it's just reminding you when you are feeling bad that it's okay to feel bad and mm-hmm. that there's things that you can do and that I know you do that do make yourself feel better and the first step in that is always you giving yourself a break for not feeling good yeah so like now whereas before I would have been like what's wrong I mean like tell me what's wrong and we need to fix this and then you'll be okay I'm more like it's okay that you feel reminding you that you feel bad and that that's okay yeah like and I think because now you're quite high functioning with it mm. like it's quite easy to forget and there'll be times like when you'll be quite short or snappy with me for like maybe a day and I'll be like oh, and then I have to remind myself that actually you do have you do still have depression and it can creep in and that's normally the first sign that you're not feeling good as there'll be like a build-up of just like shortness. And how do you think that you are able to differentiate that now between depression and just being a bit of a dick? Like do, you, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean though? Because for people who are in a relationship and neither of the people know that one of them has depression like in the beginning when I was first I I had no idea what was wrong with me and the only reason I went to the doctors is because I started to get physically ill didn't I because of it so I think it can be quite hard to determine is it a low mood is it something that's troubling or is it just being a dick (laughs) well do you know what I mean though yeah I think so I think normally like that I can normally tell your general mood changes rather than you just being particularly snappy like it's a bit more consuming than you just being a dick (laughs) (laughs) um but it is difficult and like and they also like as much as like like i try and appreciate that you're not feeling feeling well like it's not a free pass to treat people like shit either so like it's not like and we so often say that don't we about like we appreciate when people don't feel good but that also isn't an excuse it might be a reason yeah and there might be a reason, but it's not an excuse to be a horrible person. No, and we'll have conversations where it will be like, you're not being very nice. Like, yeah. I'm, I just, I'm not trying to make it, I'm not trying, deliberately trying to like, it's like in Friends when Ross is breathing and it's like... <laughs> Could <laughs> you breathe any louder? <laughs> like, it's yeah. not, like, I'm not deliberately trying to wind you up. Like, if you're not feeling like, do we need to just take a minute and go, are you okay? Like... And going back to toxic masculinity, because I don't really think we've touched on that as much as as we could have, more kind of like as a society, I'd be quite keen to hear your, because I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, Mm. what your viewpoint is on it as how it affects our society for men. It's an interesting one because I think the more it's been spoken about in like the last two or three years in, in the wider domain, the more it's almost become... Like it's almost attacking itself, which is a mm. bit of a weird thing to say. Like uh, to recognise it and go, you, you grow up in a society where it tells you a man should be a man and you should act this way and you shouldn't feel certain things and you should provide and you should do this and you should do that. And is has been widely kind of pointed out as it makes you feel like shit. And it does. Like growing up, the pressure that you feel to be a certain way or act a certain way or be kind of like the alpha or in at least in the alpha zone is really real like mm-hmm. and it particularly i think in adolescence like it makes you feel a certain way but it, 
I, it's evolved now where criticizing that like and I, I sometimes check myself where I'm going look look at those guys like off to the gym only worried about how they look they're like only caring mm. about this that and the other and I'm like subliminally going it's fine because I'm better than them because I don't need to do it and I recognize that I don't need to do it and actually like is that any better no, like it's not it's really the same it's the same thing so like it's just that I don't I can't be asked to go to the gym like <laughs> I'll measure myself with sitting here and pretending I'm above it all because that, that makes me better than you and it's still the same thing so it's a, it's a really difficult thing to unpick and there's multiple layers to it like there's the way it can make you feel if you recognize it but there's also the thing it can do to guys who don't recognize it yeah and are genuinely like obsessed with being like an alpha male and like having a certain amount of money or being in charge or or kind of looking a certain way and then what they end up thinking society owes them because Mm. they're of king of the world or like the leader of the pack in their own head and that's how you end up with things like harvey weinstein and a lot of the kind of me too stuff that came out like god it just made me so like so depressed like i remember having a conversation with you on my sofa in my old house when we were talking about aziz Ansari and his accusations and like I, I remember I, I, was, so I was like nearly crying yeah. because like and it wasn't because like I particularly like disease and like the implications that he was kind of accused of like that wasn't what like upset me and made me mad it was like the preconditioning of men to act out and act in a certain way because of what society tells them they should be yeah and then what they do and it's like you come it doesn't excuse anyone's shitty behavior like you but you're stuck in this catch-22 of going like we're not unpicking the root of the problem which is what you expect men to be and like I I think the conversation we had at that time was like women have got a role to play in that as well like as much as like men should be nicer to each other and we shouldn't be beating each other up to be a certain way or like taking the piss out of each other so much this double standard to a degree with how like i think now we've got to the point where we can rightly say like men like wolf whistling or catcalling women or saying inappropriate things uh, like about someone's appearance it is like completely frowned upon mm. yeah we're quite happy for girls to wolf whistle at magic mics and continually like set, like there's not the same thing back for guys and it mm. until that starts to level out this kind of preconditioning of what an ideal guy should be and then therefore people's self-esteems won't get any better yeah and still i think not obviously tarring everybody with the same brush but there is probably still a lot of expectation from women on men to be manly. Yeah. Like, and that doesn't help the situation of feeling like, well, I have to step up to this role and this pedestal that society have put me on to be this macho man when actually... That's like, not... it's rewarded in society still, yeah. like, and from all corners of society. So not just from men, but from women as well, like... And it's, it's a difficult one to unpick and unfathom, like... And I don't know how you do it, really, without, mm. like, a seismic shift, like... But that to a degree is the root of some of the problems yeah and we do have like there's people like Matt Haig who are very vocal on the internet talking about their feelings and there's still so many men and women that attack him for being a pansy or like not like being brave enough to just man up and get on with it yeah and uh, I think he particularly deals with the trolls particularly very well and it's just like no I'm just gonna call this out for what it is and be really really clear and 
is how it doesn't then murk into the other path, you know, like I was saying, like where you end up going, I'm actually better than these guys because yeah. <laughs> I can recognize yeah. it. Like, it, and that's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it is a danger. Like, I think as long as you're reflective on it and understand it, then, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, for anyone that is listening that feels like they might want to approach a man about their mental health, so be it a partner or another friend or family member, would you be able to, like, just for us to finish up, give us some tips on how you'd like someone best to approach you with it? I guess it would depend. I think I think it depends quite heavily on the individual and also on the circumstances. So if someone's acting out of character and that's kind of causing you concern like I think initially I would just want someone to kind of check in as normal as possible Mm. but then like if either you're brushed off or you don't feel like the answer is kind of really getting to the root of it like a secondary check for me personally I think would be like would maybe make me question myself but I think it really depends on the individual and like the relationship that you already have with them Mm. I think like for me personally like someone just being as candid and as honest to say like I'm worried about you like I like you don't seem yourself or like is everything actually okay would probably be enough for me to like have, have warmed to the conversation and be open and honest so like I think like just be as honest as you can would mm-hmm. be kind of my, my primary advice on that but again it does depend on the individual so like if you know someone someone's natural reaction is to go oh no I'm fine yeah maybe don't accept I'm fine or give it a couple of days and go back and check again and ask again and ask again Mm. and do you think like checking in with people in terms of like physically is important as well does that help your mental health to have people more like physically around in your life like not necessarily just checking in on the phone like because it I think as well because you've experienced some, losing somebody to mental health yeah I know there was that whole kind of blame culture of like what could we have done and there is nothing you can you can really do when when some somebody makes that kind of decision but do, do you think that that would be important for you to have more presence do you know what I mean I think yeah maybe not so in like an emergency or if I was particularly feeling bad but I think an ongoing presence like Mm. you're naturally more like you will open up more if you make the time to see somebody yeah and sit down and have conversations like you you naturally start to open up more whereas like everyone's lives are busy and passing conversations of hey how are you like I'll say I'm fine because it's quicker than saying I'm okay, but I'm really worn out, or I'm okay yeah. and I'm feeling, or uh, but I'm feeling mentally exhausted. Like, if I'm feeling mentally exhausted. I don't really want to have that conversation by mm. text anyway. Like, I haven't got the energy to reply to it, so I'll just say I'm fine. So I think, yeah, naturally, physical presence, and that, that is probably easier with routine as well. Like, mm. I think if you in the cycle of seeing someone more frequently or even infrequently, but you make the effort to meet up with someone, then you're more likely to open up and naturally feel like you've got someone that you can talk to yeah thanks jg i appreciate you coming on and being so open and honest about everything you're very welcome thanks for having me (laughs) thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode please rate review and subscribe and in the meantime you can find me on instagram at listen.louder i'd love to chat with you